The Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns called archetypes by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives. Welcome back to the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. I'm Sundara Quackenbush, tarot consultant. And I'm Julianne Javot, an archetypal consultant. And here we are in San Francisco where the mist has been rolling in. And it's a perfect sort of setting for our card today, which is the High Priestess, the number two card, and the third card on our archetypal tarot journey. So to introduce this card, we'll speak a little bit about the imagery. And you can always look at the imagery of these tarot cards on uh, the website tarotdreamstone.com. So if you see different interpretations of the High Priestess card, you can see that she's often seated on a throne. Not a courtly throne, but a throne that's in a temple. The High Priestess is veiled, cloaked, guarding the threshold to the world that whispers to us only in our dreams and intuitions. The High Priestess sits as if for all eternity. The High Priestess knows the beauty and importance of the dark, the damp, the cool, the invisible, the slow, and the sensual, for she is connected to the moon imagery. In the High Priestess, we have a guide, a mentor, a teacher, a sacred servant whose task is to be the human representative of the goddess. So in beginning our conversation about the High Priestess and her particular kind of wisdom, what has your, been your experience with the High Priestess and what can you uh, enlighten us with as far as her archetypal significance? First I'll speak about it as being part of this journey that we're on, starting off with the Fool, um, moving to the Magician, which we did the previous podcast about. And those were very male energies, those are, you know, falling into it with the Fool and the Magician is gathering knowledge and, and getting resources and it is a very masculine um, archetypal energy. This is the first feminine card, and it is probably, to me, the most feminine of all of the archetypes of this, uh, of the major arcana. And it's as if we're being, after all this activity and moving out into the world, we're being asked to sort of stop and go, go inside and to look, you know, for the, the, the wisdom that we've got in us. And, um, I think in a way, the stage of the journey could be frustrating, and it doesn't matter, I don't think, if you're a man or a woman, but you've got all this stuff going, right? This happened, you're collecting resources, and, and now you're just like, what do I do next? And you, you, you come to the high priestess, right? This archetypal high priestess of like, give me an answer. You know, like, what do I do next? I've got all this stuff. And the high priestess is this, uh, this character that has all this wisdom, but she's not necessarily gonna hand it over to you in a bullet point PowerPoint presentation. It's, it's like um, when Neo in the Matrix goes to the Oracle, right? Because the Oracle is the high priestess and um, you know everyone's built it up. He's gonna go get all these great answers. And uh, you know, she's this sassy um, like African-American grandma who basically knows what's gonna happen before it happens, but isn't giving him all the answers. And she essentially tells him that he already knows, that he needs to find the answers within. 
and answer those questions himself, which is exactly what the high priestess does here. This, you know, I do have the answers, but I'm behind the veil, and it is not as simple as yes or no or either or or, but it's that stage of the journey. It's that part of, it's that situation that happens where we think we're going to get all the answers, but we have to go inside. And I don't think our culture is set up really well to honor that time period, to mm. to say this is this is time to to go within. Um, it seems too foo foo, and it's 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 very feminine. It's about receiving the information that's within you and all that you kind of gathered from without. So that's kind of where I see it is in terms of the the stage of this archetypal journey. Yeah, so we had this magician in the last card who was giving us the tools, showing us action, ways to implement things. And then we have the high priestess who's, she's sitting down. The magician we saw, he was standing up, he was ready to go, ready to give us things, offer us ideas, inspiration. And then the high priestess, she's, she's sitting down, she's very calm, she's very receptive. So we've got that yang energy in the last, and then here we have very much some yin energy. And that can be very frustrating, can it? When you're, when you're starting out on some sort of quest or journey or you're wanting to know the answer to some problem in your life, to get the guidance to go within, to maybe receive a riddle or maybe to receive a scripture or some sort of uh, book of knowledge or wisdom. Here, read this. You go, I, I just want to direct. I want to I want the answer now, can't you just give it to me? So the, the, there can be a frustrating quality of the stage of the journey, and yet it's absolutely what we need to do. Um, and this is how the high priestess teaches us patience, to be able to sit with pain, to be able to sit with the unknown, really. Uh, what has been your experience working with clients uh, with the high priestess where maybe they were in that position facing some sort of unknown, some sort of pain in their life, and they just really wanted the answer. When did the high priestess show up for them? Well, I think of, uh, I think this happens to, you know, to everybody, and they, that clients oftentimes kind of come to me as if I'm the high priestess, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, even though that's an archetype I most definitely work with and I'm friendly with, there is, I think when you go to any, any teacher sort of expecting to have it all sort of laid out right away. Um, uh, most good teachers and certainly people with uh, the priestess archetype are going to guide you to find it within yourself. Mm. Um, I'm very straightforward with, with people who are talking to me about working with me to say that, that there is a lot that my intuition will probably come up with in our conversations. And I'm more than willing to share that, but, but my, uh, my dedication really is into teaching people to find that within themselves. You know, it comes back to the whole give someone a fish they eat for a day, teach them to fish, you know, they eat for a lifetime. And that's a lot of what, I, what I'm doing with people is to, to start to, to see things archetypally and then um, start to use that because that's, that's all coming from within. So that, that definitely happens to me. And I try not to make it frustrating. And I let people know that this is, you're going to be a lot happier if you're going to be able to resource this from your own internal resources mm. and to use me more as a, as a, as a guide and somebody who can kind of point you in the right direction, you know, give you the, the piece that you need to get to the next step versus saying, here's, here's a map, go to A to B to C. Um, that's really actually in the end, pretty unfulfilling and might not get you really where you need to go. 
in terms of this archetype in people, um, the high priestess, this sort of representation of the, the, the earthbound goddess can come out um, certainly in the priestess archetype in and of itself, but also the mentors you mentioned, the teacher, the sage, uh, the wise woman. Um, it's, it is most definitely, and this could be either a man or a woman, but it's that the, 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 the feminine wisdom, the part that is receptive and is able to just sit quietly and observe and take in information and process it versus the more masculine energy, uh, which is moving forward, getting things done, making lists. Mm -hmm. it's, the, um, it's the other side um, to that and really has a lot to do with wisdom, education, this stage in the journey, the archetypal stage in the journey, um, is is also a lot about learning to trust yourself, and this is what the high priestess can help teach: is to use your intuition to go in inward a little bit more, get out of your head a bit, get into your gut, mm -hmm. and learn to trust yourself. And I think it's wonderful that it's this early in the journey because if you haven't started developing some self trust early on. Um, or you're still suffering from feeling foolish from the, the first stage of the journey, um, that self-trust is going to, you know, completely serve you through, throughout the rest of, of the happenings that are going on. And, and we'll look at that in terms of the rest of the cards that, and the archetypes that we see along the road. I feel a, a really deep connection to that. And that would make me feel like I could trust you as my guide is if you were helping me to return to myself that you didn't hold all of the answers for me and that I had to keep coming to you for those answers, but that through my work with you, I would begin to find that trust within myself. And I, I find a very similar process happens when I do tarot readings. I really see it as a process of drawing out wisdom from that person through the cards. So when they see these images, it triggers so many archetypes already happening within them. If they can just spin a story or talk out loud about what they're seeing and feeling about the cards, so much of their inherent wisdom just comes out and we work with that. There's something too about um, the priestess archetype uh, that has to do with something sacred, something beyond the mundane. Um, the, I think the definition that I've got written up on my website about the priestess, priest slash priestess, um, is the, the person who is going to preside over or be a representative of something sacred, something beyond the mundane, um, sacred guidance that um, as a role that, that that person, that archetype takes. And to kind of uh, ground it into the everyday world, um, I was doing some research and thinking, okay, so who are really good examples um, of the priestess archetype you know, in life? What kind of jobs do they tend to have? Uh, you, you will see priestesses as actual reverends and, and um, priestesses out in the world in terms of a job. But I got to thinking too, I was like, okay, teachers, you will very much find the, the priestess archetype in teachers. Um, oddly enough, in bartenders. You know, I have a couple of friends who are bartenders and um, talking about what they do and kind of the, the role that they serve. There is, there is something for some people going into a bar that's like going into a temple or um, a church. Be, be that as it may, they are, they are coming in seeking solace or camaraderie. And it, it's something that's it's not just about getting a drink and being with friends. They are looking for something else. And 
these women that are bartenders, they do serve a, a priestess role. I thought that was really interesting. That is really interesting, and that brings up a good topic about uh, the ability for the high priestess to bring relationship. So we have the number two card here, which is a feminine number, and with two you have, with the number two you have the birth of relationships, because you can't just have, as far as outer relationships go, a relationship with just the number one. Uh, with two, you have the birth of the 10,000 things. You have th things that can happen between two people, between two ideas. Uh, it, it begins a dialogue. I'm very interested in this aspect of the high priestess. Even though she's so in herself and so wise within herself, she brings that in a wise way into relationship with others. And you'll also uh, see the high priestess card um, have two columns or two objects on either side of her um, and oftentimes one will be black and one will be white so they'll have the alpha um, uh, character on one and the omega on the other and that that is very much that's the two it's the roman numeral two it's the relationship that that i think what she's presenting is she's in the middle and that there's she's presenting the idea that the world isn't just binary it isn't just yes or no or left or right, that there is this gray world, and that gray world, I think, represents our own intuition. Um, but the having the two contrasting columns on either side is that we, we want an answer. It's got to be yes or no. She's saying no. Come, come within. Mm. Um, there is there is deeper knowledge to be had that ultimately I think we're going to be a lot happier with because we've trusted our own instincts than yes or no from a from a person outside of ourselves. That's right. She sits in the center between these two polar opposites. So she's saying sit with the tension of the opposites. Sit with whatever struggle you're having. There's no clear answer yet. So just sitting with it, holding these two possibilities or seeming sides that cannot be rectified. She sits in the middle and then through that sitting, sitting it out, a third is born, an idea is born, a resolution comes forth from it that you may have never expected. And that she's presiding over something that is um, beyond, you know, your, your, your average work a day. It's, it's something archetypal. It is, um, it's a metaphor. So it, it has a lot to do with the, the everyday world that we live in, but it sort of sits above us and gives us a, a, a greater, a greater truth. Um, in terms of real people out there that I see the, the high priestess archetype, I think of um, the Jungian analyst and one of my heroes, uh, Marion Woodman. And somewhat recently they released a documentary about her and speaking with her. And she talked a lot about um, addiction and uh, the wisdom uh, that, that we as a culture left, we have to concretize everything. We always have to make it real in the world. And that, that we've, we've kind of lost the art of, of uh, understanding and seeing things metaphorically and seeing that they're just as real and as true and that much of the time we just have to make it real. We have to materialize it into the world and, that, and what that's doing to the world in terms of using resources in our environment and just our own happiness, that, that we can't be happy unless it's represented in something tangible. And I think what she was talking about is very much the wisdom of of the high priestess to say, here's metaphor, here's a greater truth. Let's take a look at that. And it requires us to be to be calm and to be still. That's right. Marion Woodman does a lot of work with 
the body and the wisdom of the body as well. And the, so that's, again, the, a feminine wisdom. So it's not just all in the brain, in the mind, thoughts moving around, that it, it brings it down into sensing what's going on in the body and what's going on there. You also see in a, a number of the High Priestess cards a cross. And this can mean, in addition to the, some of the obvious interpretations, mm -hmm. can mean a intersection of spirit and flesh. So she really finds a balance between the two. Uh, the masculine spirit, the, the, the connection to the heavens is brought down and crossed with uh, matter, earth, flesh. These things need to be balanced. So she holds often a scripture or in the right away, it's the Torah. So she has a connection with the intellect, with words, wisdom, uh, but she's also connected to, she, she's shown with uh, pomegranate seeds in that card as well. So she's connected to nature, to creation and earth in that way. So once again, we find a balance as she sits in the center of all of these things. And that she's a real person too. This isn't the goddess card. This is um, a representation of that ideal, the archetype. Um, the, the original um, model of things and that she is, you know, she's an archetype representing a person in this role. And um, you mentioned the, uh, uh, the scroll, one of the, uh, I think most, when I was doing the image research for, the, for this card, um, that is one that was uh, ubiquitous, is that she's got either a book or a scroll and it's tucked mm -hmm. into her robe. And I thought that really appropriate because it's, it's not like she's got it and she's handing it to you. She has this knowledge and she has the scroll she holds and she's got it tucked mm. in there, which is that going within to, to find the truth mm. and to find the answers. Um, and the, the role of the priestess, be they a bartender, a teacher, um, they, they're not necessarily there to give you exactly the words or the ideas or the next steps, but to guide you to your own, to your own wisdom, um, to maybe say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, so it is a very receptive energy and that there's, uh, there's something important about that role that isn't necessary, necessarily sort of, um, seen very much in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, I had to think about movies and we talked about the Oracle from the matrix and I did find it in places, but it probably, it wasn't as easy as some of the others to see it, but they're, they're definitely there. Um, I think of uh, the movie Frida, about Frida Kahlo starring Salma Hayek. And this seemed a little oblique when I thought about it at first, but then I realized that the, the scenes where people are coming in to visit Frida, so she's had this, in, she was in an, a terrible accident and she's injured. She basically has to lay in bed this whole time. But she is going within and she's using her, her artist archetype and finding a lot of wisdom and answers. But as friends and family and people come to visit her, it's as if they're visiting this high priestess because she's had all of this time to go internal and she's painting and working through her pain that they come to see her and they visit her very much like someone would go to a temple to visit a priestess. Yes, and mentioning some of these priestesses of the past, um, in ancient Greece, they, the priesthood was something that women could do as well as men, where there was there needed to be equality there because they felt they needed a human representation of the goddess. They male priests just couldn't embody that for mm -hmm. the people. Um, so you can check out a book 
by Joan Connolly called Portrait of the Priestess that goes into this ancient Greek priestesshood uh, where they were given quite a lot of uh, respect back in those days. And the high priestess, speaking of ancient Greece, really feels connected to me to Artemis mm -hmm. and to Diana, this goddess of the moon. Uh, so she's really, in a sense, a has a connection to the virgin goddess. Can you speak a little bit about that archetype or um, in, in the way that we mean virgin in this sense, in the archetypal sense? Sure, the, the virgin is about purity and about self-ownership. There's, there's an article that a colleague of mine wrote um, about the virgin archetype, and um, he really points out the, the relationship to purity, but, but more of in herselfness that she is self-contained, that there is, um, it's all sort of with, within her. And it, you don't necessarily have to be uh, a woman to, to have the virgin archetype, but there's, there's definitely this com completeness within oneself mm -hmm. that all the parts are sort of there and are a real respect for purity, to have things sort of connected all together with, within the self versus this... Um, anima, animus, masculine, sort of feminine, it's all sort of in there with the, with the virgin archetype. And I think it was Vesta, the, the, um, the Vestal virgins, um, they didn't necessarily have to be virgins. It wasn't a literal interpretation, mm -hmm. but their, their dedication and they, they, they were basically seen in the society as, as being as equal to, to a man. And when they were finished with their service to the goddess spending years in the temple, they could marry who they got to choose who they wanted to marry. So there is this sort of uh, idea that this was like the empowered woman. And what a special card the high priestess is then for relationships that in the high priestess we can find our ability to come into a relationship as a complete person unto ourselves that we're not, we don't have this needy dependence on someone else to feel worthy, to feel like we're something that we can sit with ourselves, work out our stuff, and bring our full selves to our relationships. So like, just as you said, the virgin isn't, uh, doesn't have to be this literal interpretation, but that we're in ourselves and we bring that wholly into our relationships. So why don't we talk a little bit about the shadow side of the high priestess. What can happen when you've got this very powerful spiritual female character archetype, how can that manifest in a shadowy sort of way? Uh, well, just as you know, you've got great powers for good, it can also contain the possibility for powers for not so good. In terms of just everyday life, and that the the priestess using your powers to to bring people to um, a better understanding of themselves, and what I was talking about with you know teaching teaching someone to find the answer within the shadow of the priestess could be completely taking advantage of that trust mm -hmm. and the honor that they that they have sort of to to preside over ideas or about sacred things is to use that um, to get what they want or to manipulate people or to create a dependency yeah like you were saying earlier often your clients can project onto you that you're the high priestess that you have the answers and that happens to a lot of people that uh, get into this sort of work of helping others, right? That happens with therapists, happens with right, coaches. Right, therapists and coaches, um, gurus, so forth, that these very powerful inner archetypes are projected on 
human beings. <laughs> as as happens, it's a very right. It's a very natural way. thing, and and a lot of work can be done through that. But the person who's guiding the teacher, the mentor, has to realize that this is a projection, right? And to treat that delicately and uh, resist the temptation of jumping in and saying, okay, this is what you need to do, A, yeah. B, and C. And to take advantage of that and, you know, and in extreme um, cases, you know, in a, you think of uh, is powerful sort of feminine um, leaders to basically just start shaping people in their own image or not letting them have their own choices or to manipulate them to think I've, I'm the only one who's got all the answers. Mm. You know, this is kind of a cheesy reference, but I, I do think of Miss Cleo. You know, do you ever see those late night commercials? And it was Dionne Warwick or somebody, but this was quite a while ago. But she was a TV psychic, basically presenting herself as a high priestess and she's got all the answers. And that there was, you know, she ended up being called out as being a bit of a fraud and all this stuff happened. But that's the shadow side of this, having this, being a, a this uh, great wisdom keeper that you can um, take that power and start manipulating um, people to get money or to get fame or whatever and take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you kind of become, a, um, you know, like one of the, the, the preachers who are like, send me money now. And, mm -hmm. and that that is the negative temptation. And the projection can happen back and forth from the, the, the priest is sort of projecting what they believe is the truth mm -hmm. to the, to, onto the person that they're working with when really the, the, the highest aspect of the priestess archetype is to to create a sacred space um, for that person to to go within and learn and provide guidance, but certainly not to tell them what what they believe. No matter what they what opinions they might have, that the priestess might have, um, they might think they're right, but really the truth lies with the other person. And mm. the strength is is you know ha creating a safe um, containing space for that person. And again, that's a very feminine picture because it's uh, the feminine is about community and receptivity and that you know to kind of bring it back into the to the real world the great teachers and I I went to art school so I, I tend to think of the high priestess in terms of some of the, the teachers that I had that might have seemed really tough and didn't really give you the answer but they created that space for mm. you they 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 made the metaphorical temple for you to come in and to to create your art um, and sometimes they were really tough you know, they, they, you know, you wanted the answer, but they would basically push you back to yourself. And that's, that can, again, can be really frustrating. And in speaking about the shadow in the high priestess and art, uh, I recall Julianne Moore's uh, character in oh, right. The Big Lebowski. She was great. She's a really good example. Um, yeah, Julianne Moore's character, I forget. Her name was like Felicia or something like that. I forget, but yeah, the way she she went about her character and in, in in the in the movie, she was most definitely showing both the shadow and the empowered part of of the high priestess. Um, so if you get a chance, or you're a fan of the Big Lebowski, and you watch the film again, keep an eye out on her character and kind of see how she reflects some of the characteristics that we've been talking about, um, as well as the film Frida interesting to take another look um, through through the lenses of these archetypes. And that's something I do in my practice too. I'm a big film person. I've worked in film and I really enjoy uh, talking about the characters in films archetypally and then having my clients go and check out a film and see it in a new way. It can really bring it to life. Oh yeah, it's great how films can metabolize and capture 
archetypal characters. So I think that about wraps up our discussion on the High Priestess card. Next time, we will be talking about the Empress. Another of the great feminine energies. And it's an interesting um, transition from the sort of internal space of the High Priestess into the, to the external feminine, which is uh, the Empress, but also the Queen. Um, it's this, it's this still feminine, but more outwardly directed power um, archetype. And I think what we've done is we've had two of these masculine with the fool into the magician, into the high priestess, and then we move to the empress. So we're, we're going into sort of more of the receptive, the, the, the teacher, the wise woman parts of it. And I think that's important to kind of remember that as we we think of a journey or um, a path that we're on as being very much about going out into the world, that there's also that balance of, of the internal and the external. Um, and I'm looking forward to exploring that next time. Me too. So we'll see you next time at the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. For more information on Sundara's work, please visit our website at tarotdreamstone.com. For more information on Archetype Consulting, please visit Archetypist.com. That's A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-I-S-T.com. Thanks for listening.